Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It is no secret that my top manifesting hack is my daily use of subliminal audios. I mean, mostly because I'm lazy and I get to manifest in my sleep. What a goddamn dream. Who wouldn't love it? Subliminal messaging has been around for years. The Guardian published an article back in 2007 stating that scientists have found that subliminal messages leave a mark on the brain. And that's why everyone from Apple to Coca-Cola have infamously used it in their advertising campaigns. Subliminal stimuli are any sensory stimuli below a person's threshold for conscious perception, i.e. you think you're just listening to a relaxing piece of music, but boom, there are hundreds, if not thousands of powerful statements and affirmations beneath the music that you can't hear with your conscious brain. These affirmations can have distinct impacts on people's thoughts and behaviour. Choose from a range including perfect health, wealth and success, beauty and confidence, fertility, weight loss, meet your soulmate, peaceful and present parent, happy kids and so much more. Easily download onto your phone or live stream when exercising, cooking dinner, in the bath or my personal favourite as you go to sleep as part of your daily mindset practice. Go to francescaamber.com to get yours. Welcome to Law of Attraction Changed My Life. I am your host, Francesca Amber, and today I'm joined by our favourite love expert. He's back for a third time because he can't keep away. It is, of course, Paul C. Brunson. Welcome back. You know, I don't know if I've ever done a podcast three times before. So this is, this is yeah, this is, this is a first for me. This is, this a first. is your first hat trick. Is it a hat trick when it's three times? Uh we don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know hockey. I don't, yeah, U.S. hockey. I don't know. It's I don't not know. hockey. It's football. Bloody no, 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 no. It's, it's hockey. Well, it's, it's hockey. T- well, so here in the in the U.S., you know, we uh, hockey, but ice hockey is massive, and and hat tricks are infamous in hockey. Oh. So, but it's, maybe maybe it's a football too. It is definitely football. I dated a lot of footballers, but it's either three goals or eight. Well, you'll have to come back eight times if it's eight. Anyway, today we are talking about our favourite subject that is the only thing we talk about with Paul, which is love blockages, limiting beliefs, 
all of these things that stop us from having a healthy mindset around love and relationships. And we're doing it through the lens of, of course, our favorite dating show, Married at First Sight UK. Congratulations on the new season. Bloody yes. loving it already. Are I you? can't believe it's back. I, I honestly, I'm addicted, but it's ruining my life because every night I'm wasting an hour of my life just watching other people's traumas play out. I mean, you, you know what, friendship? You know what? Me too. because i was even saying last night you know my wife and i are watching we're watching uh well we were watching and we looked and it's like you know it's after 10 o'clock we get up super early you know it's one of these and a lot of people don't realize i don't see any of the honeymoons i don't see the weddings i don't see anything with the exception of the dinner parties so it's all new to me I see. That must also be difficult when you're kind of not judging, but when you're talking to people about their experiences just based on the dinner parties, because you haven't got to see all of that kind of behind the scenes footage and all that stuff of the honeymoon. Do you know what I mean? So you can't really see how people are behaving. It's just in that one highly strung atmosphere where people are probably drunk as well. Um, That must be difficult, actually. Yeah, it's very, very hard. But the the beauty is two things. One is that you're not only watching the dinner parties, but you're also listening to what is being said, but more so listening to what's not being said when the couples are on the couch. So that's one thing. And then secondly, is that the couples who are not on the couch in front of us, but are there, right, all have an opinion about what's happening. But for me, quite honestly, that is one of the top reasons why I keep coming back to Married at First Sight. Because those commitment ceremonies are one of the most challenging, I call it like modern day Roman Colosseum, right? It's like battle and it it requires so much from me, you know, mentally and I love it, you know, so that's really what what drives me. And it's, it's very hard. It's very hard to discern, but hopefully you'll see that we do a decent job of it. You do. And I think that is kind of your USP, isn't it? Is that whether you're doing celebsco dating or you're doing Married at First Sight, it's not about just pairing people up and being like, hey, are you enjoying this? Are you having great sex? It's literally like, right, what are your deep values? What are your commonalities? Like, how is this going to work long term? And you're a bloody expert at that. And that's why we love you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I really do. Like I said, I feel like this season and all seasons of it, to be honest, are basically a showreel of people's trauma, aren't they? It's just a bloody showreel of people's limiting beliefs, their traumas. And it's so interesting how something I've learned recently is I think that when you are alone, it's easy to think... I'm great. I'm solid. I've worked on my uh, like personal development. I have yeah. worked on myself. I am good. The second that you even try to get into, not even a even a real relationship, even if it was just a casual dick appointment, that shit comes straight to the surface. That shit comes right, right to the top, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of these people came on this show thinking, I'm good. I'm solid, and these people bring out people bring out the worst and the best in us don't they so how yeah. how do we how do we stop that jesus like how i'm asking on a personal level here how the yeah. fuck do we stop that <laughs> uh, I, I mean first i mean i'm intrigued about these casual dick appointments <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that's a whole other thing but <laughs> um, but uh so all right so a couple of things is you, you know one of the most interesting comments that i've seen recently with married at first sight is why haven't these people had therapy before they came on the show right? Why haven't they had therapy? Why haven't they had therapy? And to me, that is the myth of therapy, the greatest myth about trauma. The myth is that one appointment, you're healed. 
two appointments, you're healed. 10 appointments, you're healed. No, what we have to understand is healing trauma is a marathon and it is something that's ongoing and you have to continually work on it, right? So many of us have trauma from growing up. You know, I talk about all the time I grew up in Queens, like, you know, claim to fame was Curtis Jackson, 50 cent. He was shot nine times on the block, you know, that, that, that I grew up on. Yeah. So it's, it's not the best spot. So it's not like, okay, I'm healed from that and I'm good. No, it's consistently working on it. So when it comes to married at first sight and it comes to us dealing with trauma, we have to understand that we have to continually work on this continually. And that's very important. And I think as well that an important thing to learn is it's not linear as well. You know, like I said, you can be alone and be like, do you know what? I'm not going to get into a relationship until I feel really good in myself. And you can work on yourself for several years. I'm definitely not talking about myself here. (laughs) And then you do start to interact with somebody else in a slightly romantic setting. And you're like, all these new things come up and it can feel like you've taken 10 steps back. But actually, it's just not a linear process. And It's, it's, It's not. And you know what? From my observation of you... I think that that's what what where you are and, and, and what you're going through. And I think that's the reason why so many people resonate with you, because you're on this journey. And as you go on this journey, you realize, oh, my God, I didn't address these five things that happened to me in the past. And then you start addressing the five and you realize, oh, my God, there's 10 more things <laughs> under the five that I've got to go back and address. And, 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 and the beauty is, is that you're on full display, right, yeah. doing this. But that is it. So to your point, it is never linear. Never. No. And do you know what I have recently learned, which I would I would love your advice on actually is or not even advice, it's just something I don't know if I'm making this up in my head. So I'm gonna be real with you. Your girl's been a bit of a hoe in her lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I mean, you told me some things. You told me well, hold on, did has that stopped or where, where are we in this? Right. In that? So this is what's happened. I had a two and a half year dick drought because I got pregnant, I had twins, lockdown, breastfeeding for a year. That shit ain't weren't it just wasn't happening. Nothing was happening for two and a half years. It's the longest I've ever gone in my life. Okay. And I really was aware that I had to break that because it was getting to the point where I was almost scared to like go on a date or anything. And I've always been really, really good at compartmentalizing things, almost too good. I actually almost preferred having sex with people that I didn't have to worry about their laundry or their financial situation or anything. Like I love any emotional connection. I love it when there's, do you know what? I'd like to do it like a Jewish couple on their wedding light through a sheet with a hole. That's like my (laughs) ideal. That's like, no, it's not. But that's like my ideal. I just don't like anything, right? So as you know, I've been on this self-development journey for really like, proper two and a half years now we've done 25 self-development books in the book club including mindset by carol dweck which is the driest book i've ever done paul we all we all cursed you for a month for that it's so long oh my god but it's good though it's good yes yes i did learn a lot and i do often refer back to it but my god it was boring at the time we'll allow (laughs) (laughs) but i have really been on this journey and then something crazy happened so there's this local guy hot on paper some of the best sex i've ever had in my life casual tuesday night dick appointment right okay i felt nothing nothing um, nothing what physically emotionally would you mean anything because i think he's not my type he keeps saying that he wants to win the lottery and i'm like Ugh. and just like not ambitious not driven all these different things that i know but in the past i've always been able to enjoy that as a separate thing now i, I don't know if it's because i've worked on myself but literally i would just be like i feel nothing yeah, is you, that you, because so, I've worked on myself? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, this, this, this is, this is, I think, a great topic, right? And this is something that my colleague, Charlene Douglas, talks a lot about. She's a sex and intimacy therapist. Um, and I've learned a great deal uh, from Charlene. I, I love working with her and Mel. Um, but what she says and what many people say, right, is that you have the best sex of your life when you're with someone you feel safest with. Right. Right. Now you think about what do you need in order to feel safe with someone? Well, you need to feel comfortable. You need to feel an element of trust. You need to feel an element of respect. You need, right. So you think about all those things. I'm willing to bet you have none of those with this guy, right? Trust, high level of respect, et cetera. So therefore you have no safety and therefore your requirement for intimacy is just, it's different than when it, what it was, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, that kind of thing. So, so my, my guarantee to you, not even, I think my guarantee is that when you're able to find someone that you can feel safe with, that's the person that's, that's going to turn everything on for you. Everything. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. Each week we talk about the curious things that people do. Fans say it's like hanging out with your funny friends. If you like lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and a hint of psychology, chances are we are discussing something relevant to you. Like relationships, dreams, phobias, weddings, work, cults, a hundred topics and counting. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us, because no matter who you are, we all smell like humans. Please click the link in the show notes. But not, not waiting to be looked after, just someone that you can feel safe. Right, feel safe. Because remember, to feel safe is relative. So you feeling safe might be different than, than me feeling safe, you know? Um, and actually, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, you think of some of those basic needs. Yeah, we, we need those basic needs. And I think that's where people interpret or misinterpret being looked after, right? So in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you need to have food and water, right? You need to make sure that you don't feel, uh, have a physical threat right to you. You need to have shelter. These are some of our basic needs. So you think, okay, can I provide those needs to myself? Well, most people can in this day and age. You know, 50 plus years ago, if you're, if, if you're a woman, you know, you may be restricted from doing that because of all of the roadblocks uh, that are against you. So therefore, you really did need a man because without one, you couldn't have those basic needs met. You couldn't have that safety. But now we're living in a different age, still lots of struggle, but we're living in a, in, a, in a day and age where there is feminism, thank God. And as a result, a lot of those basic, uh, I shouldn't say basic, but to, to Maslow's point, basic needs you can handle. But this is the big reason why the dating market is thrown out of whack right now, because a lot of men are operating like it's 50 or 100 years ago. And they don't realize that, oh, my God, these women out here, like you, Frenchie, like you're an entrepreneur. You're handling your own situation. You're making your own money, your own home, your own career, your own fulfillment. So in order for a man to step into your life, he needs to be able to deliver more than that. And that doesn't mean more money, more. What it means is that he needs to be able to uh, um, he needs to be able to touch you emotionally. Right. You need to have those higher levels 
you know, touch you in terms of your self-esteem, right? Help to help to do those things. And so long story short is you like the best connections you're going to have are going to be with people that you feel safe with. That's the key. That is so interesting you say that because when I think about my last two significant relationships that have ended, I think the reason that they have is because I didn't feel safe. And like you say, those real basic things of like financial security, a home, uh, just things like that. I always felt like I was relying on myself and 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 I didn't feel safe with that person and, and I'd almost feel safer being without them. And that's right. crazy that you say that, that that's exactly, that is what I need. So, right, Tinder profile, I'm looking for safety. <laughs> safety and, yeah, yeah local. <laughs> yeah, and, and also, too, we have to talk about Tinder. I mean, I love Tinder, but I think there's many other things you should be doing outside of Hinge? Tinder. Hinge? What about Hinge? I mean, all the, so... I'm cool with all the dating apps, right? And full disclosure, I work on a research project with OkCupid. So I'm cool with all these, these dating apps. But, but you know what people don't talk about enough is, you know what the number one... Actually, here's a quiz. Can I quiz you? Yes, please. I love a quiz. What is the number one source of a spouse in it, over the last 20 years? And that source has the highest success rate right so the number one source yeah through yeah through through what platform do people meet that has the highest marriage success rate that's the question i can tell you paul i'm gonna say b workplace oh i'm you you're supposed to be more dramatic than that i mean you got it right is I'm currently sitting in my daughter's bedroom on a fucking Zoom call. Like, I don't meet nobody through, but I am trying to remedy that. But yeah, workplace, 100%. Workplace. So to remedy that, though, is, you know, you get around other podcasters, you get around other creators, right? And the reason that that makes so much sense is because people who do the work that you do typically have the same values, typically have the same are in the same socioeconomic category, right? Yeah. Typically have the same vision for life, right? So you could see how you could really connect with someone because of that. So Tinder, like online dating, it's like, whatever, you know, it's whatever. But do you know what? There is a slight fly in that ointment is that I have got three very young children. <laughs> and so I have been predominantly working from home, but I am putting a long-term plan in place. Like, I still have my apartment in London. The tenants are moving okay. out at Christmas. I still have my Shoreditch House membership. Like I'm still keeping things in place so that as the girls get older and I get a bit more freedom, like I do want to start coming back to London and like spending time in those creative environments because I'd realise I am I am just holed up in my house here with my good Wi-Fi connection and my microphone and basically <laughs> ain't nobody coming and knocking on my door apart from the like delivery driver. So it's <laughs> Yeah, but it's coming, Paul. It's coming. I can feel it in the horizon. It's coming. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's coming. And then also, can I give some other advice? This is big brother advice. Please. And this, this, this may rub some of your listeners the wrong way, but I'm, I'm saying with all due respect is try to, to limit those casual dick appointments. Oh. Be, be, yeah, see. It's only been one. <laughs> it's only been one. Like, okay, only one. Okay, that's Oh, cool. no, I don't mean one time. It was just one person. Like, just what? It was, it was several weeks. 
Oh, Paul, okay. it was good. It was good. But it was bad. It was good, but it was bad. Do you know what? I left feeling empty. See, see. I this, was this, so this, empty. And I've never had that before. This, this is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, not to go way left on this, but, you know, if, if, if you need that need met, that sexual need met, I mean, there's toys, there's all kinds of places that, 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 that you could go to handle that. But here's the reason why is because you think about this. You left feeling empty. Think about that. So it's almost as if, you know, that was a wasted time for you. And it was a wasted emotional connection. Even though you didn't feel a deep emotional connection, you, there is still an emotional connection. He's out there thinking about you, right? He's out there thinking there could be something. The, the actual time itself was wasted. It was an opportunity cost, right? So I'm, I'm just an advocate on, you know, do things in excellence, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so if that, if it's a one-off, get okay, I, I, I hear it, right? But if your focus is you want committed, then you know what I recommend? I recommend, okay, I get it. You're at home. You're in your daughter's room right now. So are you in any creator groups, like YouTube creator groups, LinkedIn creator groups? Nice. Are you, have you joined? Boom, right there, out the gate. What's Join this? one. What, a YouTube creator group, what does that mean? Well, well, every every platform. A matter of fact, I'm a mentor for LinkedIn for their creator group. Right. It's a cohort of about 150 UK creators, right? And they meet digitally, and then they may come together every month or so. In you know, they may come together physically. Get in groups like that because what that's doing is it's furthering your professional skill set. Yeah. You're connecting with your peers who are most likely going to be higher chance of having a romantic interest but i'll I'll put you on to to the linkedin group thank you you oh my god this is very exciting yeah i'm 100 gonna do that but also that thing you were saying about it being wasted energy i am very aware of my energy these days because i ain't got none so i'm just like very aware of not wasting it on things that don't need it and at the beginning of this dick appointment it gave me energy it gave me this little escapism this little like I needed to break that drought but I quickly noticed that instead of giving me energy it was actually draining me and I was spending time being annoyed about things that Mm -hmm. I was like I could be spending this on creative energy or do you know what I mean so so it's over Paul it's over it's done (laughs) good good But um, anyway, right, let's get on to, I want to talk to you about my top three couples where I'm just like, oh Lord, have mercy. Let's see what their limiting beliefs are, what their love blocks are and what you think about it. So my first couple, they're actually my favorite couple and that is Jess and PJ. Her and her mama, she's my favorite. (laughs) Jess is my goddamn favorite. Um, But it's really interesting. So on the wedding day, a couple of things I noticed is that her and her mum were very fixated on she needs to be looked after, she needs to be looked after. And I kind of felt like, is she one of these girls that is looking for a husband to kind of complete her life and to basically provide for her so that, do you know what I mean? Like that kind of feeling, which I felt like, Jess, is that a little bit 1950s? I feel like we've moved past that. And then they had the huge, huge problem of him being a stripper. And I think the interesting thing with that was, although they made it seem like him being a stripper was the issue, I think the issue actually was that her and her mum didn't know how this man would be able to provide for her because you can't be a stripper forever. Um, 
if he didn't do that, what else would he do? I think that that was the main concern is how would this person provide? I mean, I have to say, if I received that news on Married at First Sight, I would not be mad. And what Jess has to remember is <laughs> she has to remember that careers can change, but a big dick is right. forever, you know? Like, that, that's all I'm saying. That's right, I'm right. Because he, he, let's keep in mind, he's the reveal at the end. Like, what? he's the... Yeah, did he you know that? He reveals his dick. What? Yes, yeah. He, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't got to that episode. What do you mean? No, no, no. Not, not on the show. Not on oh. the show. I'm talking about when he does his thing on stage. He's, he, but he's, he's, the, he's the ending. You know what I mean? Is he? He's the, he's the ending. That's, wow. how, that's how well endowed uh, wow. PJ is. Um, I, um, so th- this, is, this is so tricky because, I, of course, I have a very strong opinion on all of these couples. And you're going to see through these commitment ceremonies, my opinion is going to come out very blunt, right? But I will say a couple of things. The first is from Jess's mother's perspective. She says, this is what she says. She says that the issue is not him being, PJ being a stripper. The issue is that he won't be home in the evenings right. or weekends. That's what she says, right? Whether you believe it or not, that's what she says. Now, in my opinion, you know, I'm, I'm saying, okay, well, what if PJ was a, was a doctor, you know, in, in, in the ER, you know, then is, does, it, does it become acceptable? Mm-hmm. So that was her position. The other thing I'll say, as far as just Married at First Sight goes, is I think what you end up seeing is you see people throw out red herrings, Right. So you see people come up with excuses because they don't want to unveil the real reason. Right. And so that's when, when I see, when I sit on those commitment ceremonies, I hear, that's why I say, listen to what's not being said. Mm. Watch the body movement, watch the, you know, watch everything. And normally you end up realizing that they're not talking about the real issue. And in every, every couple, every couple that you've seen so far, I don't believe they're talking about the real issues that they have with each other. So that's, that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's my thought on that, you know, but I mean, and then also to your point of like the taking care of you, I mean, she is a great job. She's, she's probably realistically, she's probably making more money than he is. Mm. You know, she's probably making more. She's a dental hygienist. Oh yeah, so she has a proper yeah. career. That's a proper, that's a proper profession. Yeah, yeah. So she's probably making more because you know I, I was shocked. You know, one quite actually. Can I tell you? I, yeah, I guess I can. I'm not gonna get in trouble uh, on this. Is one of the questions I ask everyone is I ask them how much money they make. Interesting. Is that important? I, I think that's important in the match mm. because. If you, if you take like, you know, socioeconomic is one of the biggest indicators of whether or not someone will stay, uh, stay with each other. So socioeconomic education, right? So you, if you take someone who's impoverished and then you take someone who's a billionaire and you, and you, you match them, chances are it's not going to work. Right. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Chances are, I mean, what, that's what, that's what statistics show. So I, I look at income, not as a primary match point, but I look at it as a, as a, you know, as just a guideline, you know, just to let me know. 
So, um, so I know how much everybody makes, you know, and it's one of these where um, also I think what's really cool about the show uh, on a side note too, is that there's a whole varying degree. You have people who are making a ton of money. I'm talking about real money on this show. And then you have other people who are just hustling check to check. And I think having that diversity in a cast is so important. That's interesting you say about money because that's something I don't know if you've heard, but I'm a bad bitch recently and I'm I'm doing good with the whole, you know, I've worked on my wealth mindset a lot. And let's just say yeah. it's fucking worked. It's worked. <laughs> but the problem See, that's how work. you know you have money, by the way, when you're like, I'm not even going to tell you. It's just working. <laughs> It's yep. just it's working great and I've and I have spent a lot of time working on it because when I first started this podcast and we first started doing this sort of stuff um the money was the one thing that would massively change my life you know I was still on maternity leave if I could have afforded to have one of those with three young children I don't get any financial support from anybody so really it was all on me so I worked on that first that was my primary goal uh but what I find now is that I find it hard to find men that will match that. And I don't mean match in terms of monetary, but it is really difficult. Like I was talking to a friend the other day about how um, I don't really want someone with a job, like a nine to five job, because I just can't imagine someone saying, oh, sorry, I only get 20 days holiday a year. Or, oh, sorry, I've got to be there at 9am. And I just think, what? Like I've worked really hard to have this freedom that I can't then imagine almost going backwards. But then you know, they all said to me, what, if you cut out people that have a traditional job, you're cutting out 95% of the market. Do you think that I should hold out for someone that is more aligned with my values and is maybe a creative or something? Or or am I cutting out too much of the market? No, you always hold out for someone who's aligned with your values. Yes. And you always want, you want to cut out 99.999% of the market, okay. you know, because you, you only want the one. And so I'm with you. And when it comes to money, to, and, and I heard you say it too, is it's about your philosophy or your perspective around money, yes. right? So to me, I think this is where we have a common value is it is about freedom, right? Mm. It is about choice and options. That's really what money is. It's not about, okay, how can I spend it on the biggest watch, right? Even though I like watches, you like watch, you know what I mean? Um, this is new by the way, you know, but, <laughs> but, but I, but it's about, but you know, but it, but it's about options, you know, it's 100%. I think sometimes people yeah. think that you're a bit shallow for focusing on wealth so much. But it's like, for example, for me, it's illegal to fly with twins under two. If you're one adult, you can't have two children on your lap. So for me to be able to take my children on a simple holiday, I had to pay right. for a nanny to come. That, that right. shit ain't cheap. Like to pay for a whole other person. Like, so that's why I really worked on my wealth. And yeah, I just think it's exactly what you're saying. It's the mindset around it. I can't imagine sitting there with someone and them saying, right, we need to uh, really cut back on things rather than focusing on growth and expansion being like, we need to focus on cutting back. We need to, you know, my ex said, right, I'm going to stop paying all my bills as soon as the um, as soon as the the lockdown happened. And I was like, what? I'm like doubling my mortgage payments. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that difference. How the fuck do I find someone like that, Paul? Where do I find them? <laughs> Shout out to, to, to Carol DeWick, though. That's growth mindset. See? You know, see? Yes. see, you traded her earlier. That's what it is. <laughs> I actually love that book. It's changed the way that I praise my children. I don't tell her she's yes. clever anymore. I tell her that she's worked hard. I did love that book, but fucking hell, Paul. It was <laughs> yeah. so dull. It was so yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah. but, but where you find them, though, you find them in these spaces, like I'm talking about, the creator spaces. You know, you find them at conferences. Have you gone to a like a business entrepreneurs 
uh, co- conference, like that's that's where you meet your peers. You know, that's 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 what I would suggest. Can I just ask you one more thing on this then? Right. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about his diary of a CEO. And he was saying oh, yeah. that if you want to start up a tech company, you'll be massively disadvantaged by not being in Silicon Valley. You'd be massively disadvantaged not being in San Francisco. And it really got me thinking that. I moved for the, by, for the pandemic out to the countryside to raise my children in a village for them to be safe, to have a nice upbringing, have a garden, all that shit. But there ain't no men here for me. There's the, the, the opportunities, the people, we're very different. And it really got me thinking, like, do I need to move back to London? So I guess my question is, like, do you think that I'm always going to fail if I'm just in a little village surrounded by white farmers? All right. So this is where... I, I mean, Diary of CEO, Stephen, like, you know, A plus. Love it. But, but that particular philosophy, I think there's, uh, yes, I get it. You know, you being in Silicon Valley, you bumping into VCs, living next to uh, potential engineers for your company, right? Yeah, that makes sense intellectually. But I think there's an argument against it. And that's the, and I know this because I was actually in that space. I started as an investment banker and there's a big argument against it. You know what the biggest argument is? And this is probably the reason why you are where you are is because, I mean, physically where you are, where you are, because guess what? Silicon Valley is one of the most expensive places to live in the world, right? Your, 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 uh, the cost of living is super high. Your satisfaction is super low. So that means that puts you in a different space versus you moving to Charlotte, North Carolina in the United States, where it's the country, right? Where, you know, um, you could buy a huge home, where you could take long walks, where you can clear your mind, where you can, you know, you could, you can eat, you know, you know, you, you know, you could drink whole milk. You can't even drink whole milk in Silicon Valley. They only serve you oat and almond milk. You know what I mean? It's like, I remember going once and I said, hey, um, can I have uh, some milk, uh, like whole milk? And they looked at me like I was crazy. They were like, "We only serve almond and oat milk." I was like, "This is this is this is very bougie." You know what I mean? So, North Carolina, the, and and I don't just arbitrarily say North Carolina because guess what happened in North Carolina? What? A tech corridor was built in North Carolina that now ri- almost rivals. Silicon Valley, not in terms of VC money, but in terms because there's schools there, there's, you, you know, but the point is, is, is that that's the reason why you step out. So sometimes it's to your advantage okay. to step out versus to, to, to be in. And, and also my career is a testament to that. I was in the biggest television market in the world. That was the United States, right? I came here to a much smaller pond, but became a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it depends on the strategy that you want to use. And so it's not all, so so I hear what they're saying, but I think there's a counter argument as well. Okay. That is very, very helpful to me because I have, honestly, it's been like keeping me awake at night, just thinking, but I think there's probably a balance as well. And like I say, I've still got my apartment there. Luckily I bought it when I was 24. I have virtually no mortgage on it. So it's not like a liability over my head. I can use it. I can go down on my child-free days, a little bit mm-hmm. of balance maybe, and hopefully mm-hmm. meet a date there. I don't know. Cause there ain't no men round here, Paul, let me tell you. Okay. So Jess and PJ, we've done her. 
done that. Yes. But so yes. that's your favorite couple, Jess and PJ. Yes, just because um, she's hilarious. I love her. I love. I love that on the um, the first night when they all met. She's like, "I'm fucking on the first night. I don't." Care. <laughs> and everyone else is like, "Okay." <laughs> I love yeah. her. Um, yeah. So the next couple, I don't know where to start here. Whitney and Duca. Fucking hell! Like, what what is wrong with this girl? I feel like she is hiding behind her mother's death maybe is that a little bit harsh to say and her standards are so impossibly high because I don't think she wants to meet somebody she does you know she wants to but she doesn't want to is that what you think as well yeah I mean with Whitney and once again you're going to see more of this in the commitment ceremonies but I think one thing is clear or should be clear to the audience is she's never had a positive relationship with a man period right you know, Has anyone? Here, okay. Have I? I haven't. I'm not well, walking around being a bitch to everyone. Well, well, okay. So, so one is I definitely don't excuse her behavior, and you will see in these commitment ceremonies I don't excuse her behavior at all. Can't wait. Right, so, yeah. So I, I, I don't. A matter. Of, I, I detest when people are evil. Um, there's no point to it, especially when you have someone, a partner who's trying to be kind. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but, but to, to, to for Whitney is she's dealing with a multitude of trauma. And what we have to also understand is that everyone deals with that differently Mm. and they, and they react to it differently. The one thing I will say is Whitney has a tremendous number of layers and this experiment unpacks those layers, you know? So you, you, you really get an opportunity to understand the why you may disagree with it, but you get an opportunity to understand why she is doing what she does. Okay. I'm excited for that because yeah, on the face of it, you just think, why are you here? Like, why did you come and do this experiment? And I feel like everybody in that show is in such a vulnerable situation. And something I feel like I, I always do is if someone comes up to me and has the courage to come and talk to you across the bar or to come and ask your number, I never, ever, ever am one of those girls like, ew, I've got a boyfriend or or this is my girlfriend and pretend my friend is my girlfriend. I don't do any of that shit because I think, do you know what? That took so much courage to come over here. I'm always kind. In fact, maybe I'm a little bit too like, oh, sure, yeah, I have my number knowing that I'll never contact them. But <laughs> but I just can't yeah, shut yeah, that's not kind. Down. That's not kind. Oh, I know, I'm working on it. But I just can't shut people down because I just think, like, people are here showing up, trying their fucking best. And I just, yeah, I didn't like that she... I don't know. It's one of those things as well where someone gives a sob story of like, oh, my mum died or, or or even like I was talking to my friend about it because, you know, I've started a Married at First Sight podcast as if I haven't got enough to fucking do. I love it. I love it's it. It's called And Chill. So we, do, we normally do it about stuff on Netflix. Every week we do a Netflix documentary, but we've changed it to do Just Married at First Sight. Um, and we were saying about how, what were we talking about just now? <laughs> well, you're talking about Whitney. Whitney. Because uh, yeah. you... Well, well, you you were saying that you don't know about Whitney, the whole the whole thing around around the trauma. Oh yeah, that was it. How we were saying, you know, like if someone is when you first meet them, it's like they might have a terminal illness, like they could have cancer or they've got a parent that's died. You automatically are like, oh my god, but they're still a flawed person. They're st- they they can still be someone that hasn't worked on themselves just because someone has an illness or someone is disabled. I think you know people with disabilities were like. Oh, they're so lovely. Actually, they can still be a normal person like the rest of us. So just because she has that opening thing of, you know, her mum tragically died recently, doesn't mean she's a nice person. Doesn't mean we have to 
sympathize exactly. with her. She can still be a goddamn bitch. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I think she's she's going to be one of the most interesting people to watch on this, for sure. Do you think people will sure. end up loving her? or? I, I think people are going to be torn on her because uh, yeah. she's, she's a polarizing, you know, figure. So you'll either love her or hate her, but you won't stand in between. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just think it was interesting where she, you know, she's had bad relationships in the past and she's got so many, you can see those walls are up and it's not going to just come down instantly. And I think so many people watching the show can relate to that. Maybe not in as extreme a version, but I think we can all relate to either setting impossibly high standards. The whole thing about the beard, he's got to have a full beard. Like, is that just her just trying to protect herself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. It's ego. And ego is only there to protect you from being hurt. You know, it's it's a false shield, right? Mm. Um, You know, those are the things that she claims that she wants. But, you know, everybody walks into this experiment saying, oh, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. But you're on Married at First Sight. So that means nothing has worked for you in the past and you're here to do something extreme. So therefore, you have to step outside of all of these wants and just double down on your needs. And I think what you'll see is a lot of people don't even know what they need. Yeah. Right. And, And that becomes a big issue. And and do you think, because I think the main thing that you can see people get initially angry about, uh, yeah, I'd say it's anger, is that the physical attraction isn't there. They're like, oh, for fuck's sake, I've taken three months off work to commit to this, and he's like five foot 11. Do you think right. you can ever get over that that lack of initial attraction? Or do you think if it's not there, you're fucked? If, so, uh, all right, I've read, studied everything on this, right? Had clients or whatever. My, my, my strong take is physical attraction is a range. It goes from minimal to like the hottest, this person is the hottest person you've ever seen, right? So it's a full range. If you don't have minimal, I don't think you can ever get it. Wow. If you have minimal, then you could build up. Right. Mm. Emotional intimacy, safety, all of these things help to add. Also, there's a lot of good research around married couples and how uh, you will view your spouse to be more attractive. Like, I I mean, I've been married for 21 years and I literally view my wife. I I feel like, wow, she's more attractive today than she was 20 years ago. You know, so that happens. But it had to start. It had to start, you know, at at a level. So if there's no level, then I don't think there's a chance at all. Interesting. All right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm making mental notes to myself here. Um, and finally, our final couple that I want to talk about is George and April. Now, I feel like George is just airing out his dirty laundry for everyone to see. And all of the laundry are T-shirts that say on it, I've been cheated on <laughs> everywhere. He's been cheated on. He can't get over it. He's a good looking guy. I think he's one of the hottest ones in there. But my God, when he was, do you know what? I actually found this episode very triggering when they were on honeymoon and it really triggered me to like my very, very dramatic, um, what's the word? Over the top ex-husband is he Mm. was like, guys, something's happened. I found her being intimate with another person. And I was like, fucking hell, she fucked someone. Oh my God, this is like a first. And then she comes back and she's like, oh, I kissed a girl in the hot tub. I was like, 
What? George, don't get us riled up. When, uh, come on, that's not cheating. Paul, is that cheating? You're the expert. That's not cheating, is it? This this is a debate. Mm. So I, I tweeted something around this. I was like, that one moment of April in the hot tub and the George issue, that's going to become one of the most talked about moments of MAPS history. And people are like, what? I don't get it. It was nothing. It was insignificant. But not to give too much away, but that conversation becomes the conversation. It becomes a tipping point. She's a lesbian. In, in the group. No. Is she bisexual? If no. All I'm going to say is, it becomes a tipping point and you're going to see people take sides. So I, I will give my opinion. I'll say, just keep watching. Right. But people will take sides. Some people say she definitely cheated. There's no question about it. I'm talking about people on the cast. Right. So when they're in their apartments, they're going to be saying, George, she cheated. She cheated on you. You know, there's others that are going to say, what are you talking about? You know, she was just in the tub. Like she was trying to turn you on. What are you? And that becomes, uh, that becomes one of the friction points that I think creates a massive battle this series. Massive Interesting. battle. I mean, if you yeah. compare it to who was the girl that was married to Bob last year? Um, the one Megan. That kissed, Megan. So she kissed a guy, didn't she? And yeah. everyone was like, <gasps> but I feel like it has very different circumstances. Like it was, first of all, it's a man. I don't know if that makes it feel different because she is straight and it was a man. It was done secretively. Um, mm-hmm. it was in a corridor or something. I feel like this one was, you can imagine, they're on honeymoon. They were clearly all in the hot tub together. They're drunk. She kissed a right. girl. She liked it. I don't know. I don't know. Is it yeah. the same thing? Is it not? I don't know. Yes. So, I mean, I, I, I'll say this is, I think ultimately it's about intention. Mm. You know, so everyone has the right to feel how they feel, but ultimately it is about intention. In that Megan situation with Jordan last year, you're absolutely right. The intention was, their intention was to become a, was to a wife swap or a couple swap. Right. You know, that, that was their intention. So their intention, that was a cheating scenario, yeah. you know, with April, uh, you know, when I look at it is I say, okay, her, her, what she says her intention was, is her intention was to turn him on. Right? I get that. Her intention Good was, plan. was was, hey, let me let me spark this thing up a little bit, you know. So I think it's ultimately about intention, you know. That's, so, that's my yeah. point. I think you're right. Yeah, I, I don't think it was done maliciously at all because you could see the surprise on her face. Like when she came and knocked on the hotel room and, and I thought, oh, my God, it's all going to blow up. And she's like, hi, you all right? And it's like she genuinely didn't think there was anything wrong. Like it, she just, yeah, interesting. So I guess setting your boundaries with your partner as well and being like, what is okay for you might not be okay for them and yeah. kind of figuring that out because some of us I'm a very flirtatious person I wouldn't see any problem in going out I in fact I remember when I was first with my husband I got really drunk and I like sat on someone's lap I think I might have kissed him as well but it was in full view of him I wasn't trying to hide it oh he was triggered he was he did not like that one bit and it's like just learning I didn't do it maliciously I just it just to me was not a big deal. But, you know, some people are very comfortable in open relationships. Some people are, you know, completely closed. Yeah, yeah. but to your point, th- this is strictly about boundaries. And what's so hard in this experiment, what makes it so entertaining is in the first couple of weeks, they're negotiating what their boundaries are, mm. you know? And I think the beauty of this show and where, I mean, I really think this is one of the most brilliant shows ever because it allows everybody to see something that they're familiar with and to ask themselves, 
is that something I should continue to do or should I stop doing it, right? And what you'll see in this series is some people will talk about where they want their boundaries, but they'll never act on it. So therefore their partner will never know where the boundaries are. And that partner, you're going to think the partner is a, is a bully, but it's only because they were never vocal um, about where they want their boundaries. And so it's a beautiful, it's a, it's, it's beautiful to watch because that's where most couples run into their issues is they don't set boundaries with each other. And then they turn their well, sometimes well-intentioned partners into bullies. Right. Because it's easy to say something in the moment and then forget or interpret that boundary in a different way. But I guess, would it be beneficial to sort of almost have like a written, almost like an agreement and be like, we, you know, I had a friend who their agreement was that they don't go on a stag and hen parties. I thought that was fucking wild. Like, but they did not trust each other or they just didn't feel that it was appropriate to go on stag and hen parties but I guess if you have that agreement and it's written down and you're like these are kind of like the rules of our relationship then if somebody deviates from that it's really obvious and you can say well look this isn't what we agreed to do you think that's a healthy thing to do or am I overthinking this yeah I mean to 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 write it down might be a little it might be a lot right otherwise you'd be like I forgot I didn't we never said that well so so this is where you have to realize it's not about the action. It's about the value behind the action. And it's about the behavior. And it's about being courteous and cautious with your partner. So where April, I think, went wrong is she just just was like, this is what I do. But she didn't think, is this something that he would be acceptable for him? Mm -hmm. Right? In other words, she's not being courteous because she's not thinking about him. She's thinking about her. So when you are early in a relationship, that's why you should be cautious and ultra courteous and you should be over communicating. I always say over communicate by a factor of 10, right? So that way there's clarity. And then by the time you're 20 years deep, like me, okay, then my wife and I, we know virtually all of our boundaries, but at the same time, we're still negotiating them. We're still negotiating them. So this is the reason why you want to be, why you want to communicate. This is also the reason why you need to have time with your partner. You can't expect to have a partner and not see them or only see them on the weekends, you know, only see them one hour a night at dinner. This is the reason why what, how, however you structure your life, your partner has to get the priority in that, in that structure. Even if you have children. So, all right, this, I mean, this is, this is controversial, but this is my opinion is I think that if you have children and you've had children, so say in your situation, you've had children and now you're going to um, enter a new relationship. When you enter, when you're entering the relationship, your children have to get your prior, get your priority, right? Yeah. They have to get your priority. However, there will be a point where I believe that your spouse should have the priority. Wow. And, 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 and this is, so, and this is how I, I feel, this is how my wife and I operate. We are each other's priority. And the reason why we say that is, is because if we are the foundation for our children. So if there is friction, issue, turmoil with us, it directly, it doesn't indirectly, it directly impacts them. Yeah. So, so therefore we have to ensure that we are good. Now that doesn't mean that we neglect them, but that means that sometimes we have to say, Hey, we haven't gone on a date night in a while. Guess what guys? 
You're going to sit here. This, it's not good, but you sit here in front of YouTube. I know it's not healthy, but you sit here in front of YouTube for the next two and a half hours. Your mother and I are going out on a date, right? Because we have to prioritize our time because if we're not prioritizing us, then there is no you. So, yeah. so, so that's, that's the way that we look at it. So I think it depends though, if you're coming into a blended family, if you're in a blended family, you, you, you have to take priority on your kids, you know, initially. And then I think there's a, there's a dance that takes place once you've established enough trust, safety, then you have to turn the attention in, into your spouse. But that's, that's my opinion. Uh, that's quite, like I say, it is a little bit controversial, but actually I think it's very similar to the approach that I've been taking for the last few years, which is that I say my children, people think they're my number one priority and in a way they are, but actually my number one priority is me. So yes. quite often I will prioritize, you know, I have to work out or have a cold shower or have alone time or work on my self-development because if I don't do those things, I can't be half the mother that I am when I do do them. So exactly. I come from a family where my mum very much, we never had a babysitter, not once. She never left us ever. And she's very much like you do everything for the children. But I think what happens then is you end up with a bit of a depleted mother. And actually I know that to be the best role model that I can be for them all and to, and to execute these things as well, you know, I have to execute these healthy eating plans for them. And, you know, we're going to walk to school, not drive, you know, we're going to exercise, we're going to do mindfulness to all, to do all of those things. I have to have my own time and space as well and, and to prioritize myself. So I completely understand what you're saying, that you yeah. can really switch one out for the other. And at some point, I'll just have to fit someone else in, not just myself. <laughs> so. yeah. No, no, no. But, but to, to your point, I, and I completely agree with what you're saying, is in the relationship that my wife and I have with each other, I am my priority. She is her priority. Yeah. Because of, you, because of what you just said. Then when we can be the best sell our best selves we can then be the best for each other and then when we're the best for each other we can be the best for our children so your point exactly exactly this is great i feel like i'm on the route you've given me so much advice today i'm going to join that linkedin creative group thing i'm going to take the take advantage of the fact that the world is online now i don't have to physically be there connect with other creatives but I mean, there must be some sort of podcasters group i don't know and i'm just gonna um What's the other thing I'm doing? Just be open, work on myself. Yeah. <laughs> don't, do a, don't have dick appointments. <laughs> yeah, that was it. No casual dick appointments. That was, that was the big one. <laughs> I've taken yeah. it all on board. And if you get yeah. any hot, tall celebrities on Celebs Go Dating and they need a date, bear me in mind because... Yeah, we, we do. We have one right now. <gasps> Who is it? Incredible. He's, he's actually one of the most handsome guys I've ever seen. Uh, his name is Liam. He's from uh, Love Island. Uh, he's from last year's level. Oh, he won. Paul, he 15 won. years younger than me, love. You, you, yeah. <laughs> I need an old man. Do you know what? That's what I want to go for next, an old man. Oh. He's, he, he is inc- like, he's mature, but I, I get it. I get it. You, you, you know, one, one, well, actually, I won't say it now, but uh, I, I've got an idea for you, but I'll hold, I'm gonna hold. Okay. You tell me after, Paul. Anyway, <laughs> is there anything else that you want to tell us? Tell us when Married at First Sight is on. Is it 10 o'clock on E4? Yeah, it's, it's uh, 9 o'clock. It's Monday through Thursday, 9 o'clock. And then AJ uh, hosts an, uh, a show called Married at First Sight Unveiled on Sundays at 9 p.m. And, and I periodically uh, yeah, jump on that one. Yeah, she's great. 
I saw you on it last night. She's doing a great job. She wears amazing outfits. And if you want to hear a podcast all about Married at First Sight, it's And Chill. I will link it down below. It's me and my two friends talking about basically Married at First Sight. Fucking love it. Paul, thank you so much for coming back. Hopefully we'll see you you again soon. Love you. Love everything you do, what you stand for. Keep doing it. Likewise. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. The law of attraction changed my life. It's going to change yours too. Bye. What up, bitches? It's no secret that reading has changed my goddamn life. I think it's incredible that people put their entire life's work, their teachings into a book that often costs less than £10. It's incredible to me. And I am so thankful to all of the authors that have helped me on my self-development journey. And, you know, I have the UK's biggest self-development book club. There's over 3,000 of us reading along each month. But maybe you're thinking, Fran, I ain't got time to read. Who do you think I am? Barbara Cartland? No, you are busy. You are girl bossing it. You are living your goddamn life. And I get that. I see that. I hear it and I value it. And that's where Audible can come in. If you find yourself only with the time to be able to listen to something, but to not sit and physically hold a book, maybe you have a physical job like um, cleaning or whatever, where you are using your hands, or maybe you're a crafter. And you want to be able to just listen to something and to learn on the go. Or maybe you're driving a lot and you're able to listen to a book, but you know, it's illegal to read a book and drive, bitches. Don't try it. Then Audible may be for you. I have a 30 day free trial that you can have a little go at and see if it's for you. You can download millions of books to your phone or to your laptop or whatever you fucking want and listen to it wherever you are. Um, So check it out. Um, I'll leave the link down below. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.